Right, so we are in Philippians chapter 1, and something we always need to keep in mind whenever we're reading the Scriptures is understand who is being spoken to. Sometimes in Paul's epistles, he's writing to individuals like Timothy or Titus. Sometimes he's writing to a church as a whole. So just kind of picture yourself, you know, whenever we're reading these epistles to churches, as if, you know, I'm standing up here reading a letter from Paul to all of you. And I believe this instruction that he gives here is one that we ought to... Uh, apply to our lives and to ourselves as individuals who are a part of a church. And notice what he says in verse 27. He says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit and with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. And what I want to talk about today is how to be of one mind as a church. Now, I, I, I've preached on this subject before. I don't think there's a pastor in the world who's preached for more, uh, pastor for more than two or three months who hasn't preached about unity in a church. And this is something we regularly need to preach about because there's always going to be conflict that comes. But what I want to do... In this message is I want to kind of use this too to illustrate what we've been teaching about the body, soul, and spirit in the last several weeks. If you haven't seen those messages, uh, make sure you go back and check those out. But it is important in order for us to be united that we have a proper understanding of these things. Because when we do, when we have a, a proper understanding of who we are as Creatures who have a body, soul, and a spirit, and sometimes our soul, we choose to follow after the flesh rather than the spirit. If we will under, if we'll understand these concepts, it'll help us make better choices so we can actually remain of one mind and avoid the things that cause division. And so, um, you know, there are many places in our Bible where we are called to be of one mind, but what exactly does that mean? And I think in this passage, it's showing what our agenda should be as a church or our focus, our mission, our goal, our ministry, however you want to put it. As a church, we all, everyone here should determine the, in our individual minds to work towards advancing the faith of the gospel. That is why we are here. Not only are we advancing the gospel, but the faith. We are trying to advance good doctrine, meaning we're going to spread these things as much as possible. We want to preserve the faith. Therefore, we want to keep our doctrine pure as, as a church so the gospel does not get corrupted. Because while there are doctrinal errors that we would all agree are not damnable heresies, we need to understand, though, the problem with any error in doctrine is it often leads to corruption of the gospel. Whenever you get stubborn about any area, Eventually, what you have to do to cover, you know, you got to tell another lie to cover for those other lies, and it eventually touches the gospel. That's why we fight things like dispensationalism and stuff. Not everyone who claims to be dispensational is wrong on the gospel, but many who have been challenged, they will go as far as to pervert the gospel and teach multiple gospels in order to preserve that error. So we ought to always be fixing any error that we find because those errors, that, that little leaven, it can end up spreading and leavening the whole lump. So we're always going to fight 
against false doctrine because it, it eventually will mess with the gospel. And you've got a lot of your trendy types out there. Uh, we shouldn't be fighting over all these secondary and tertiary issues. And I understand what they're saying to a point, but we should care about the secondary and tertiary issues because they do eventually end up messing with the gospel. It happens every time. And so as a church, we should all unite around doctrine, the cause of spreading the gospel message. We should support each other in this. We should help each other. We should participate in this worthy endeavor. Nobody should be discouraging any of these things, any of these things. The simple fact is if we can keep our focus on this, it will be very possible for people from many different ethnicities, demographics, rich and poor, all ages to come together and to find agreement and unity. In fact, typically you don't find a greater diversity any and anything than you do in a good church that because the gospel is something we're all able to unite on doctrine is something we should be able to unite on but at the same time too you often won't find any greater division than you do in churches how does that happen how does that happen where something where you know when we have this gospel message of peace on earth goodwill toward men good tidings of great joy which will be to all people Something that is as inclusive as the gospel, how is it that it can eventually turn into just like a cult where everybody is exactly alike, everybody looks alike, and some churches are practically all even the same family sometimes? How does that happen? How does, how does that happen? There, there's a reason that that happens, and it can happen in any church. It can definitely happen in this church. There's not a church that doesn't struggle with this. We will always be battling this but i'm telling you if we know where the problem is at it makes it so much easier to fix and so i'm I'm hoping this message is going to help you because again what is it about biblical christianity that makes it so possible for so many different types of people with different backgrounds to be able to come together and be united and another question is what can cause those same people who are united to eventually become divided or even at enmity at some point. How does that happen? It's a very, very, very good reason. And so this subject is, this is related to what we've been talking about, about the body, soul, and spirit. And I believe these things we're going to look at will help you navigate difficult and confusing times because I promise you, they will come. So just a few verses I want to hit real quick just to show you too about this, uh, how we are called to have this unity to be of one mind it says in romans fifteen five. now the god of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to christ jesus that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify god even the lord even the father of our lord jesus christ wherefore receive ye one another as christ also received us to the glory of god now what do we do with that bible says to be like-minded so that means if you're not thinking like me, you know, you're not right with God because the Bible says be like-minded. Well, you know, then why can't you just turn that around on me? You know, and often that's what ends up happening with people. So again, if we're called to be like-minded, if we're called to be of one mind and we have a disagreement, how do we figure out whose mind we're supposed to be like? How do we figure these things out? We see in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the love of 
and the God of love and peace shall be with you. So uh, we see he said this to the church in Rome, church in Corinth, church in Philippi. Chapter 2, verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. So that means sometimes we're going to have, you know, areas of disagreement, but we should put other people before ourselves. You know why? Because we're striving for unity. We're striving to be of one mind. First Peter 3, 8, finally, be all of one mind. Have compassion one of another. Love his brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. So what is this key to staying of one mind? We're, we're told this over and over again, and I believe the key to being of one mind, we see it in the first verse we looked at, back in Philippians, verse 21, chapter 1, verse 27, says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving for the faith of the gospel. The way that we will be of one mind is by being of one spirit. That is the key. If we are of one spirit, if we are of the same spirit, we will be of one mind. And that is possible for all these different minds that we have in here. And every one of you, you, you know, we all have different spirits, you could say. You know, we all have different personalities. We all have different likes and what, dislikes, whatever. But yet, if we will all be of one spirit, then, then we can all of a sudden be of one mind. And so the way a church remains united and of one body is by following the spirit. You say, well, whose spirit? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians six seventeen, but he that is joined unto the Lord is of one spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit. It's not just about Tommy McMurtry's spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the Spirit of God that dwells in me. That's, it's, it's about following that Spirit. And we remember, we've talked about how the Spirit is that which is born of God. That's that new man that's in us. And he that is joined to the Lord is of one Spirit. And so if we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, then we will be united. But the way we will become div- divided is when we all start connecting, not with the, the Holy Spirit, but with other people's souls or flesh, you could say. This is how factions are formed. This is how division is caused. When the individuals in the church stay focused on the Spirit, if we are all walking in the Spirit, we're going to be united. It's just, just like the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of walking in the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We, we're not going to sin when we're following the things of the Spirit. But the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adulteries, fornications, uncleanness, lasciviousness, all those things. When we're walking in the flesh, we're going to do all kinds of sin. There's going to be heresies. There's going to be divisions. These things come from the flesh. And when we choose to go after the things of the flesh, we're going to have all kinds of problems. We're going to have division and so how it will manifest itself when we as a church become more about unite or how will it manifest itself when we start uniting in soul or flesh rather than 
spirit? How will it manifest itself? And, and how do you do that? Okay? And, and I'll show you how we do that. Because again, some of it's bad. Some of it's not necessarily bad. But it's not what we're here for. We are, we are supposed to be about the things of the spirit. Not the things of the soul. And definitely not the things of the flesh. If we are about the things of the spirit, we will be united. And so, how do, one way we can know if we're, if our unity is about the flesh is, uh, we'll start having factions forming around individuals, denominations, movements, or whatever. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? So the reason there was division is because they weren't being spiritual, they were being carnal. Now, how did this carnality manifest itself? Because just saying somebody's being carnal, that's very general. And Paul gets very specific about what they were doing that was so carnal. And here's what they were doing. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Really? You're forming groups around individuals? That's carnal. That's not what we're here for. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now, is Paul here saying that, hey, it doesn't matter who got you saved? Okay, Obviously, it's, it is okay and it is appropriate to appreciate those who brought you to Christ. It's okay, it's appropriate to appreciate those who have helped you have a good walk with God and helped you get closer to God. By all means, have a, an appreciation for people like that. that. That's not wrong. But at the same time, too, you know what? Those who brought, you know, thank God for those who brought us to Christ, but the focus should always be on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is what's a, what's a lot more important. And so thank God for people who brought us to Christ, but those of us who have been brought to Christ, if we're all getting focused on people, I mean, we're, get, we're getting off track somewhere. But you know what? Staying focused on Christ takes faith. We have to remain being of faith. I'm not talking about keeping your salvation. I'm talking about keeping your focus on the things of faith, on Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, it's very easy for us to get carnal and to get sidetracked by people rather than Jesus Christ. Well, hopefully, hopefully what I am is I'm, I'm a tool that God uses to get you looking at Christ more often. If I'm not careful, you know, if I get too much in the flesh, if I'm not doing things of the Spirit like I'm supposed to, I can start getting focus on me a lot more than Christ. And if the focus becomes on me, we're going to start having problems because I can promise you at some point, you and me are going to have conflict. You know why? Because we're two different people. We have two different flesh. We have two different souls. We have different likes. We have different likes, dislikes. We have different preferences. We have all, there's all kinds of things that you and I can disagree on. Everybody disagree, even husbands and wives that are one flesh disagree with each other pretty regular and sometimes it causes some pretty good conflict. So there's, there's always potential for major conflict between individuals in the church, especially 
when you have people of all different backgrounds and all different tastes and likes and things, there's going to, there's great potential for that kind of thing. But that's why we've got to stay focused on the things of the spirit, because while you and I disagree on all kinds of things, the thing the, the uh, if we are following the things of the spirit, the spirit never disagrees with the word of God. The spirit within us is not going to disagree with the spirit that is within you if we are of the same spirit. And so that's why, too, in church, if we can keep if, if we get sidetracked with things that are not spiritual, with things that are not of God, it can end up causing problems in our church, even things that aren't necessarily sinful. For example, OK, and I'm, I'm not I'm not picking on anybody. I don't think it's wrong and I'm not telling anybody you can't do this, but. You know, sometimes churches, they can get a little too interested as a people in what's going on in the political world, in the sports world. You know, me and Raleigh before church, we were talking about the Cubs a little bit. I don't think it's wrong. I don't, I don't think we're sinning and talking about the Cubs. But, you know, if we're not careful, you know, we might have some Cardinal fans in the church that we haven't gotten rid of yet, you know. And, and uh, you know, we, we, can, we might start having some problems as a result of that and some conflict. And it's just like, you know... I like, I like talking about the Cubs and what's going on with the Cubs and they're not completely out of it yet. It's getting close, but you know, they're, they're not completely out of it. And you know, and so, you know, maybe me and Raleigh, we like to talk to each other about that, but you know, we, we have any Cardinal fans that are willing to identify themselves in here, which the Cardinals aren't even in it, but, but it, you know, there might be some Cardinal fans. And so it's like all of a sudden now, you know, I, you know, I want to talk about this, but you know, you know, brother Aaron, maybe he's a Cardinal fan or whatever, you know, let's ignore him. Let's go sit somewhere else. It's like, that's not good, okay? And that kind of stuff happens in churches sometimes. We're going into football season, you know, and people do. They get real caught up in what's going on in the sports world. And folks, listen, I don't think it's sinful if you like sports, but there is nothing of the Spirit when it comes to sports. And if, if we start having conflict and division over sports, I promise we're getting off track. Okay? We, we are called to be of one mind, and of one spirit. And if we're, if we're getting sidetracked on these things, you're going after the things of the flesh. And that's not a good thing. And you know, and you're going to have people in the church too. If we start having factions form in the church, you got your Cub fans and your Sox fans or whatever. You know, you're going to have people in the church that are kind of neutral. And it's like, oh man, you know, I, 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 I got to figure, you know, I, I want to be a part of the church somewhere. I got to figure out, well, I, I like the Cubs group better than I like the Sox group. I'm going to, I guess I'm going to become a Cub fan. And you do, you have people that decide what they do based on people. And let me tell you, it's the same thing in the religious world. Some people believe what they believe based on who believes it. When it comes to a doctrinal position, I got to go find out what so-and-so says. And listen, I I understand having sources that you typically trust. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but understand You need to get past that eventually. You need to eventually get to the point where you're able to look to the Scriptures yourself. And even if you have somebody that you look to when it comes to things like that, you better make sure they're proving proving it to you from the Bible. And if if they're not given sufficient proof, you can go ahead and say, hey, the jury's still out on that one. But most people, they just immediately jump on board with what a group says, a preacher a denomination, a movement, whatever they say, that's what matters. You've got your reform people. No matter what the conflict is, no matter what doctrine you bring up, 
What do they always want to go to? They want to go to the Confessions of Faith, the Westminster Confession of Faith. What did the church fathers say? What did these different people say? What did John Calvin say? They're always going to these all, all these other people wanting to identify themselves with that group instead of, hey, where is the Holy Spirit leading me? And listen, the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you to the Reformers. The Holy Spirit's not going to lead you to the Westminster Confession to show you what you need to believe. He's going to lead you to the Word of God. And the Word of God is going to show you what you're supposed to believe on these things. And that is where we will find unity. But we've got so many factions in the world today and in the religious world as a whole just centered around people, denominations, movements, whatever. And that is carnal. And typically the fights that get going in that are typically pretty carnal. They're pre- it's pretty worldly what ends up going on. We ought, to be ab- we ought to be above that kind of thing. Jesus Christ... He's always supposed to be the focus. And when we start paying more attention to men than we do Jesus Christ, we got off somewhere. You know what happened? We got carnal. Somewhere we got carnal. When we're talking more about men, when we're talking more about what Chrysostom said, when we're talking more about what Martin Luther said, when we're talking about more what Augustine said or something like that than we are what the Word of God says, somewhere we got going after the flesh rather than the spirit. The Spirit's always going to lead you to the Word of God. Colossians 1.16 says, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Jesus Christ should have preeminence. He should be the focal point. Anything that takes your focus off Christ is not of the Spirit. If your focus is getting off of Jesus Christ and you're getting more focused on men, more focused on a group, a religion, or whatever, just understand you're following after the flesh. And we will not be of one mind for very long at all. I promise we will not remain of one mind. But if we keep Jesus Christ the focal point, then... The Spirit, He's all. the Holy Spirit always points people to Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He points people to Jesus Christ. He's going to point people to the Scriptures. The Scriptures are going to point you to Jesus Christ. Those things are all in, they're all in harmony. They're all in unity. But our flesh, us as individuals, we, we're, we're never going to be in harmony when it comes to our souls and our flesh. It's only in the Spirit where we can find harmony. And we got to stay focused on that. And so let me show you here a clear difference between a man of God and a man of himself. We see in 3 John, in verse 9, it says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Diotrephes, what was his problem? He wanted to have the preeminence. Wait, who's supposed to have preeminence? Jesus Christ. But Diotrephes... Clearly, a very fleshly individual was very obsessed with himself. What do people who are obsessed with themselves do? Right? Diotrephes is a good example of that. He says, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. Notice the guy who's obsessed with himself. He's not about receiving people. He's about just casting people out. He's the one about separating everybody. 
You know why? Because, again, any individual can get a following. But they're all, it's also going to be like an echo chamber. They're going to be getting people just like them. Proof that anyone can get a following, just go on social media. Look at TikTok. Some of the biggest losers you'll ever find have big followings on there. Why? Because there's a lot of losers in the world. So obviously, but the thing is, it's all people that are typically exactly alike. But in Christianity, we're supposed to be having people from everywhere, from every nation, kindred, and tongue. We're supposed to be having all demographics. We're supposed to have rich. We're supposed to have poor. We're supposed to have different colors. We're supposed to have different ages. It should all be that way in a church. And I'm glad that we've got some diversity in our church, not just so we can look politically correct and have our, you know, our token black guy and things like that, but because it's just how it's supposed to be. If we're, if we're uniting in the things of the spirit, we'll be able to do that. But if we become a church of all 42 year old white men, then, you know, that we've probably gotten a little too focused on me at some point. But if we get focused on Jesus Christ, we'll have, we'll have some variety in, in, in the church. And, but Diotrephes, he is. He's casting everybody out of the church. Why? Because he loves to have the preeminence. But in John, we see another individual, John the Baptist. I love this about John the Baptist. In verse 26, it says, They came to him, came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Hey, there was a time where John the Baptist was the main act in town. But John the Baptist, he had a mission. You know what his mission was? Point out the Messiah. And he did exactly what he was supposed to do. When the Messiah came on the scene, when a greater than John the Baptist came on the scene, you know what? Jesus became the big show in town. John the Baptist becomes less important. And people are bringing that up. Hey, John, what's going on here? I'm seeing more people follow Jesus than you. But you know what? He said, hey, my joy is full. He's like, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm just the friend. And so he said, my, he, his joy was fulfilled. He must increase I must decrease. And you know what? If we, if, if our ad, if we're, if we're about the flesh, we're going to want ourselves to be the focal point or who we like to be the focal point. But the reality is, if we're united in the Spirit, Jesus Christ is going to be the focal point. We're going to get people pointing at Him and we're not going to have this division. We're not going to be like the church in Corinth in chapter 3 saying, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos. That is a carnal church. And you know what? Bless your heart if you're a new Christian, you just don't know any better. And that's going to happen too. You're going to have those people that come in. They don't know any better. They're going to be obsessed with individuals and wanting to talk about men and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, uh, but you know, it's, it's sad when we're older Christians and like that too. Uh, I knew an older individual one time who greatly bragged and went to camp with them one year. And this guy, I've never heard somebody brag on themselves so much in their life. And he kept telling me, you know, he, he, Somehow he was connected to Lester Roloff. This guy was really old. Said he was, you know, he was somehow he had a connection to Lester Roloff. And man, did he brag about it and talk about it. He was always name dropping and all this stuff. Lester Roloff, this, and this guy, uh, you know, he couldn't preach his way out of a wet paper bag. I mean, Lester Roloff, he'd roll over in his grave if he knew that this guy was, you know, 
connecting himself to him. And I remember the next year I got stuck in a cabin with him again at camp. And I heard all the same bragging things again. And it was just, it's like, hey, you know what? You're a million years old. You know, shouldn't you be more spiritual at this point? Lester Rawls has been gone for a long time. I haven't heard you mention Jesus one time. But it's just like, you know, it's just, we don't want to be that way. We don't want to be that person. It's one thing if that's how you were when you first got saved. But you need to move on from that. And so, uh, you know, in, in Christ, we can all unite, but in man, there's always going to be division. And this is especially a problem amongst Baptists because Baptists, you know, we're, we're constantly throwing everyone in hell, making everyone out to be heretics that we disagree with. And it's just us getting carnal half the time. It's, we, we, it, we say it's us earnestly contending for the faith, but sometimes it isn't. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we're just being divisive and carnal. Some people are, they're, they're often so focused on the flaws of individuals, they fail to recognize a clear message that God used with those people. God, God, uses, God uses flawed people. There are many flawed individuals that we can look at from even recent history and definitely in the Bible. Extremely flawed individuals who did great things for God. But carnal people, carnal people, they are, they see those flaws in the man and they condemn everything that that man ever did. When it's like, wait, if you were spiritual, you would see that God did a great work through a very flawed individual. That's what you would see if you were spiritual, but you're carnal. So what do people do? They'll try to write off all the great that some man did. You know, no matter how many people they got saved, no matter what great thing they did, oh, this man had this horrible flaw, therefore everything he did was illegitimate. No, you're an idiot. You are of the flesh when you think that way. The reality is that the message that we should get when we see somebody in, 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 in history or somebody in our life that God has used in a great way and say, man, this person has this flaw, they got this problem, they got that problem. Um, you know what? Why don't you let that motivate you? Because if God can use them, he could use your sorry carcass too. But it's like we're all looking for this perfect saint out there. And when we find a flaw in an individual, we just write off everything they do. You know, everybody, they, that happens in church. They get into a church. Oh man, this church has a great doctrine. One, you know, you know, this is wonderful. This is going to be great. And then they start getting to know everybody in the church. And then all of a sudden everything changes. Um, wait. I thought you came to this church because we had good doctrine. I thought it was because we were getting people saved. We're still doing those things. But the problem is they can't imagine anybody's actually getting saved anymore because they know everybody's flaws and everybody's issues. It's like, no, God uses flawed people. You say, why does he do that? Because if he didn't, he wouldn't have anyone to use. That's all there is to it. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin, but you can't see that because you're so carnal. So you just zero in on everybody's problems and you'll ignore the work that's being done. You'll ignore the soloing that's going on. You'll ignore one great thing after another. And then what do you do? You go, you look for a church where everybody's as righteous as you are. And you know what you do? You end up finding that church that's full of 42-year-old white men that look and act and sound just like you. And I'm saying that about me. For some of you, it would be whatever your specifics are. You know, and typically what people are finding today, they can't find it in a church, so they find it in an online group of people that are exactly like them and that that just shows you are carnal you are finding unity in the flesh with people not with the spirit 
if we are if we are uniting in the spirit, we will have listen. We're going to have people of not just all different backgrounds, but all different sin issues. And it's funny. We'll, we all relate great to people who struggle in sinful areas where we struggle with. You know, if one person struggles with drinking, they understand the other person that struggles with drinking or some kind of addiction. But that person that struggles with some other kind of sin that we don't, maybe God's given us victory or we've, you know, just never experienced those things. Oh, man. Yeah, I know I struggle in this area, but boy, at least I don't struggle in that area. They're a way worse sinner than I am. No, y'all stink. Y'all, y'all smell in the eyes of a holy God. The only reason God uses any of you, no matter what area you're struggling with in sin, is because of the Holy Spirit. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done in you. And you ought to be able to get united, and you will be able to get united, if you focus on the things of the Spirit. And so, uh, we should be able to unite. What if I told you this too? What if God can use all different kinds of people to reach all different types of people? That are, you know, there's types of churches that I wouldn't want to go to, but that doesn't mean they're bad. I don't like these ritzy, ritzy, snobby, highbrow churches with all rich people. But does that mean that God can't use a ritzy, snobby, highbrow church with all rich people to maybe reach some other rich people? God loves rich people. We don't. Right, but God, God does. You know, we're all too jealous. But, you know, God loves them. You know, I don't want to go to this, you know, crummy, you know, poor church where everybody's got body odor and, you know, things like that. But, you know, God loves, you know, poor people with body odor, things like that, too. I might not connect with people that well. You know, there's there's different cultures out there, too. You know, if you, you go into some black churches, typically their worship style is a little bit different than white churches. Hey, that's not really my cup of tea. Hey, that, that's not that's not really my cup of tea. But you know what? I'll bet God can use some of them to reach black people better than us. So, you know, southern churches, okay? Hey, some people, they might respond well to the glory lap running and all that kind of stuff. And God might be able to use them where there's, there's going to be people that are going to get turned off to that that we could reach. You know, God uses all different kinds, all different kinds of personalities. We all want to just figure out how we can get everyone to conform to our image. And it's not what it's about. It's about the things of the Spirit. It's about the message. And so, another way these things of us not following the Spirit can manifest itself is when divisions come from things based on programs. And this happens. And this is where it's very easy for us to pretend our motives are spiritual, but the reality is, People often come to church with an agenda. And it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm? Something wrong with psalms? Hey, the Bible says, speaking to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's just being biblical. But what does it say? How everyone hath a psalm? Hath a doctrine? Well, you got a problem with doctrine? You got a problem with, you know, and, and we do. And don't we all, we always have, everybody, has their favorite doctrine that they want to hear preached about, you know, and, and every, every pastor knows what doctrine will finally get that per, get a holy grunt out of that person too. You know, uh, you've got the people there. I, I was at a camp meeting one time where there was this preacher there that my, my wife and I, we immediately saw him, marked him, knew what he was, didn't like him. He, and it just, yeah, he, he was, I won't go into all the description of this guy, 
But the only thing that would get that guy to make a move during that entire camp meeting was when the preacher talked about dress standards for women. And he would go nuts. He talk, they talk about souling or anything like that. He'd just sit there like a bump in a log. But as soon as they'd start talking about how women ought to dress, he was jumping up, shouting, and going nuts every time. And his wife looked like she fell off the Ingalls wagon on Little House of the Prayer or something like that. Just miserable family. Guy turned out to have horrible problems in his life, horrible skeletons in his closet, just terrible, terrible individual. But you do, you, you know what's going to get a holy grunt out of, out of somebody. Everybody comes with their own doctrine, that thing they care about, hath a tongue, hath the revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. What's he doing? He's telling these people, hey, everybody's coming in there with their, their own agenda. You just want to do your own thing. No, everything that you do when you come into a church ought to be done to edifying. You ought to come into church not because you enjoy something so much, you like something so much, no, but because you want to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ because you're united about advancing the gospel, about advancing the faith. You want people being more obedient to the Word of God. You want the things of God being advanced in that church. And so your agenda, your agenda when you come to church, again, it ought to be mainly to please God, but then two, you ought to be wanting to be an encouragement to other people. It shouldn't be just about, boy, I hope the pastor gets on my favorite subject today. You know, and just I hope they they pick the songs that I like today. I hope everything's done according to my liking today. We've had people that come to this church and they are they're just mad that people don't just react and act around them the way they just imagine people reacting. They think they're just going to walk into a church and everybody's going to break out into songs singing Be Our Guest or something like that, like it's in a musical or something. And all the focus is going to be on them. And, you know, that's just not that should not be your attitude. Your attitude ought to be, what can I do to edify other people? And often people's service and participation in certain ministries is based off who is involved in those programs rather than just serving. Hey, you going to participate? Uh, it depends on who's doing it. Really? You know, you ought to just be, you know, for advancing the gospel. You have some people too, that's their attitude. If they're going to go on a souling event or something, it depends on who's going. Well, hey... I get that. The right, you know, the right people go participating in an event, that definitely will connect with your flesh if your buddies are going. But wait, we're supposed to be about the things of the Spirit. So if it's about the Spirit, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's going. It doesn't matter who's participating. Well, I'll participate in this program as long as so-and-so doesn't participate in it. Hey, you're looking for unity in the flesh. There's going to be people that our personalities clash with in the church, that our interests do not line up with in the church. But if we're focused on the Spirit, we will not have a problem setting all that kind of thing aside. And so they will. They'll often People often participate if certain people do or if they like the person who is in charge or some other carnal reason. That's terrible. You ought to participate no matter what. You ought to be for advancing the gospel. You know, if we, do, if we put somebody in charge of a soul winning event. Okay? It's like, oh, they're not very good at it. I like when Pastor Tommy does it better. Hey, maybe we're trying to prep this person. Maybe we're trying to teach them how to organize these things so we can do more stuff like this in the future. But if you, And so the truth is, if you're doing things to edifying like the Bible says to do, then you know what you're going to do? You are going to come and you are going to support that person who is helping and who is trying to lead even when they don't do a very good job. Even if they're not that organized, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be okay letting them learn from their mistakes. And you're not going to necessarily be the one showing them what they all were. 
You're just, you're, cause your attitude should be, hey, I want to see things advance. You should be willing to come to church if somebody in the church is preaching. Maybe they're not that good at preaching. Oh, his preaching's boring. But you know what? You ought to support them because they're trying to develop their preaching abilities. Because maybe one of these days, God might want them to pastor somewhere. And if we're about advancing the gospel, you know what? We need more preachers. We need more pastors. And so we ought to be supporting each other. But if you have an agenda, and if your agenda is, well, I enjoy Brother Tommy's sermons because, you know, they're more entertaining. They're more, you know, they're, they're just done better. But, you know, this other person, they're not that good yet. I, I don't really care. No, you ought to support them too. This isn't about what pleases your flesh. This is about the things of the Spirit, and God can use all kinds. God can use a fast-talking, dramatic guy. God can use a monotone individual, too. So, the problem with all of this, and this is a universal truth, and that is, at some point, when you work with people, you are going to get sidetracked by your soul and flesh because we are all united in our spirit, but our souls and flesh are often very different. And this brings me to the final point, And that is division is caused when we start forming groups based on soul and flesh connection rather than spirit. See, sometimes, this is what you've got to understand. Sometimes our souls connect with certain individuals in areas too that aren't bad. For example, we see in 1 Samuel 18, 1, it says, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Did you know that it is not wrong if you and another individual just find a really close connection and develop a really deep friendship and you do, you have a connection that's in the soul. That's not sinful. That's not wrong. And there will be people like that in the church that you do. There's, that you're just really going to connect with really well on a, on a personal level. That's not sinful. And that doesn't happen with everybody. Okay, there's some people that just don't connect with each other real well in their hearts and in their souls. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with either of those individuals. They're just never going to be best friends. You know, for example, you know, if I said if if you have a man bun, we're probably never going to be close friends. I mean, I just I don't see that ever happening. It just uh we've got a difference in taste somewhere and and plus, I'll never, ever, no matter what I do, be able to look like you because the necessary section of hair needed for a man bun is absent uh, on my head. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it if I wanted to. But, you know, there are, there's, this, there's this some things, too, about people that, that irritate us. And it doesn't even mean we're sinful because of it, but we're not going to be that close to But sometimes, too, our souls connect with people in areas that are very carnal. In Luke 23:12, we see, and at the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were in enmity between themselves. So Herod and Pilate, they used to have hostility towards each other, but they ended up finding unity. You know why? Just like some people find unity in sports, some people find unity in hunting, in politics. These guys found unity in their hatred of Jesus. That's where they ended up finding their unity. 
That is a horrible place to unite. And let me tell you, people find unity in that in churches all the time too. It's like, I've heard pastors talk about this for years, how it's like the two rebel, teenage rebels in a large church will always find each other. You can go to camp, you can go to a teen camp, and the two biggest teen rebels will always find each other. Why? They got a soul connection somewhere. And, and so we do. We, we ha- there, there's people you connect with on your job for different reasons. And, uh, and understand that so some of these things are bad. Some of them, not so, not so much. But either way, we're not about soul connections as a church. We're supposed to be connecting with the things of the Spirit. And often what will happen in church is when we start getting carnal, people can often find unity. In, in, I've seen this more than once. I've seen this a lot. Sometimes people who are at enmity with each other in the church because of personality conflicts or whatever, when they both get mad at the pastor, all of a sudden they, they become friends. Why is that? They found unity in their hatred for the pastor. That happens all the time. I mean, when somebody gets out of sorts with the church, I mean, they will immediately become best friends with the last person that left the church. Why is that? They got that soul connection there. And typically those things, they even start, they even start before. And it is, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I've been in church my whole life. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. People who had problems with each other, people who were causing problems in the church with the unity because they were fighting with each other. When they get both get mad at the pastor, all of a sudden become best friends. What is going on? It's that Pilate and Herod thing. They end up finding that connection there. And often we do. When we start having factions form in the church, it's because you're finding unity in areas that aren't necessarily what we're here for. We're uniting around politics. We're uniting around sports. We're you're uniting around movies. Maybe you got a, like a DC faction of the church and you got a Marvel faction. If we get that going, we got, we got some real problems in the church. And you know, and you got people talking about, you know, if, you know, Iron Man could beat up Superman or something like that. You know, it's just like, that's dumb. Okay, that's dumb. And I'm telling you, while it's usually not things that obviously carnal that we have caused, that cause division in church, it is things similar. People start, you know, uniting around their dislike for someone in the church, a certain, you know, person. They'll start finding unity and a, a divisive doctrine in the church. That's, that's not good. That's not good. I've heard stories of people who found each other in their churches because, you know, they heard the word reprobate come from their mouth and they got united around that reprobate doctrine and then all of a sudden they started causing division in their churches. Like, man, I hate to think that you sacrifice unity towards advancing the gospel in a soul-winning church because you got so obsessed with another individual over the reprobate doctrine. Come on, let's get our priorities right. Let, let's stay focused here. But that's, that's a carnal thing, because let's just face it. All right? Who's, who's willing enough to admit? I, I, believe, I, I, do, I believe in the reprobate doctrine. I believe my spirit, you know, I believe the spirit connects with what we teach in the reprobate doctrine. But who will admit their flesh likes it too? Because who just admit? Who will admit? I just don't like homos. <laughs> I mean, just, I, I don't. And, and it's not all spiritual. I'll be the first one to admit it. Okay? And, and I don't think I, I'm, 
I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to pull anything here. We, there's this stuff that we don't like. And, you know, because there's other sins, too, that we struggle with. We don't want to hear about that. But we're all, we're all fine with hearing that other stuff. And so, again, I don't think it's 100% spiritual reasons why I have such a problem with certain groups. Some of it's my flesh doesn't like them. There's, there's certain people my flesh doesn't like. My wife and I, we were just eating at a restaurant the other day. I will not describe the hairdo that the woman had, but she came walking in. And I told my wife, that woman is going to be asking for the manager for sure. <laughs> and uh, we weren't there long enough to see if she did or not. But it was just like, as soon as I saw her, it was just like, you know, it's just, you know, that's not a reason to be hostile towards somebody. But yet in my flesh, when my flesh sees that, it's just like, I don't like that. I, I, don't, I don't like that type. Let me tell you, too, there, there is a type, uh, I, I shouldn't talk about these things. I need, I need to shut it down. They've been in this church more than once. There, there is a type of woman that is in a lot of churches. They run the churches. They're, they're bossy women in churches. They get way too involved in, in a lot more things than they should. They cause division. And they, I'm telling you, they, I swear, they all look exactly alike. They all have the same body shape. They have the same hairdo. They all wear the same clothes. And it's like, you... I, I have watched them walk into this church many times. We had one years ago. She walked in the church. As soon as I saw her, I knew what she was. And I, I told the Lord, I don't ever want these kind of women in our church. And as soon as I saw her, and you know what? I went, but I, I, I did the right thing. You know, you're, you're kind, you're nice. I went and I did a follow-up visit with her. And she, you know what she told me? She was a deacon in her former church. And you know what? I wasn't surprised. Why not? I could tell by her hair. I could tell by her clothes. I could tell by the way she acted. I mean, it, it's, it's always the same with these people. The woman preacher I heard the other day at a funeral, exactly the same. The same hair, the, everything. It was exactly the same. I don't understand what it is. I think the devil, I, I'm, I'm convinced sometimes that there's demonic spirits that can, that can indwell more than one people, person at a time. Because not only do they all, all these people all dress exactly like, they all sit in the same place in church too. They do. They always sit in the same place. Now our church is laid out a little different, so it's hard for them to find their place here. We do that, we keep the spirits confused on purpose, alright? But let me tell you too, that woman that came to church that one day, that I told my wife we're never getting one of these women in our church, she sat in the spot! And I won't tell you what it is, alright? Because somebody accidentally sits there, which we don't, we don't even have one in here. I think, I think we subconsciously set the church up that way to keep that spirit out of the church. But maybe we ought to keep it that way so I can identify them easier. I, I can identify them by how they dress and their hairdo. But I don't know. I, I'm not trying to get into weird spiritual stuff, but I, I'm just convinced. I, I could tell you too many stories with these people. You say, we're, we're getting off track. You know, you know what we're doing? We're getting into carnal stuff. These are the carnal things that often cause divisions. And, you know, and I, I've made it into something spiritual. Maybe it isn't. But the reality is these are what often causes us to have division. So relationships, friendships that are formed around things that are not of the Spirit, they're not necessarily bad. They're not bad. But they can become a problem when they cause division in the church. For example, you know, there's a lot of things that can cause us to be drawn towards others that aren't wrong. If, you know, if we have a bunch of people the same occupation, they're probably going to connect with each other. You know, the same sports interests, hobbies, whatever. Moms connect with other moms. It's not wrong. 
Seniors cannot often connect with other seniors. Kids connect with other kids. You know, but we shouldn't just find our group. We ought to help and support everyone in the church. And while it's fine to talk with people about things that aren't necessarily spiritual, we got to make sure that we don't neglect to make sure everyone feels welcome in the church, that we love everyone in the church. We need to prioritize the spiritual over the other things. And there's absolutely no way that a church can be of all one mind when it comes to things of the soul and flesh. We're all too different. We've got too big a variety and we will. You will always find people that connect with your soul and flesh and that can make you think you're right about everything. That will make you think you're right about everything. i got all these people that agree with me. Yeah, great. You found some other people that are like you. We're supposed to go to church with people who aren't just like us. And we're supposed to be able to be of one mind. And the things that are connecting you right now are not things of the Scripture. They're not things of the Spirit. They're things of the flesh. That's the people that you're finding to join your little group and to join your faction. These are all things of the soul and the flesh. But we can be of one mind when it comes to the Spirit because that, if you're born of God, if we're joined to the Lord, we're of the same Spirit. And so while 100% of us are from time to time going to find ourselves getting sidetracked by soul and flesh and getting out of sorts with each other, as long as we understand, hey, my problem that I have right now with so-and-so in the church, this is because we've got, we have a soul conflict. We've got a flesh conflict going on. You know what? I have to set that aside. And you know what? I'm going to be of one spirit, which means I'm going to love as Christ loved. I'm going to be accepting like Christ was accepting. And I will take this person with all their flaws and all their things that annoy me I will deal with that because I'm not here to please my flesh. If you want to join a group to please your flesh, you know what? Go join an Elks Club or a Moose Lodge or something like that where you can get around a bunch of other people that are just like you. You know, ladies, go join a sewing circle with a bunch of other gossips that like to gossip just as much as you do. Go join that group. But but you know what? Here, we're here to connect with the things of the Spirit. And if we will do that, we will have unity. We will be of one mind That's what church is for. This is not a social club. It's a church. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. Thank you so much for your word. I pray you'll help us to apply these things in our life. Help us to have the wisdom and understanding to recognize when we're following the things of our soul and our flesh rather than the things of the Spirit. And I pray you'll help us as a church to uh, keep our focus where it should be on advancing the faith of the gospel, on edifying one another and supporting each other in that ministry of advancing the gospel. And I pray you'll help us to make a difference. In your name we pray. Amen.